Why don't we this morning begin with a prayer and we will uh, pray the song we actually just sang in Latin. We'll pray it in English now through Regina Chaley. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Queen of heaven, rejoice, alleluia. For he whom you did merit to bear, alleluia, has risen as he said, alleluia. Pray for us to God, alleluia. Rejoice and be glad, O Virgin Mary, alleluia, because our Lord has truly risen, alleluia. Let us pray. O God, through the resurrection of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, you are pleased to give joy to the world. Grant, we beseech you, that through his mother, the Virgin Mary, we may obtain the joys of everlasting life. Through the same Christ, our Lord, amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, I would like to welcome you all back to Sacred Heart Catholic Church. For those watching us from near and far, uh, it was, I think, a pretty big success from what I heard uh, last month with our first Saturday devotions. Uh, I heard of people watching from all across the United States and beyond, from Portugal, from Brazil, from Germany, uh, from all over the place. And uh, I'm just so grateful to have you join us here at Sacred Heart Catholic Church here in Salisbury, North Carolina. I know that uh, virtual is not as, as exciting as being personally present, but you know what? It's, uh, it's still not bad. So uh, please know that God willing, all of this uh, quarantine time passes and uh, you can eventually visit us here in person. Because uh, I'll tell you, just personal reflection, uh, having, we're, we've started having about seven people join us at each Mass since we're allowed to have ten. And um, it's just such a joy. We had uh, wonderful Cupri and Roach families here today. And uh, I was on the verge of tears because I'm just so happy to see them. And uh, it's, you know, just such a good thing. We all strive to grow in the faith together. And I'm grateful that even though we can't all gather, and let's be honest, even if this was just a, a normal May 1st Saturday, although also if it was, we would just about be uh, having a first communion here. But, um, and let's pray for all those little guys who aren't able to receive their first communion yet, but we will get to them very soon, God willing. But even if it was a normal first Saturday, you know, we wouldn't be able to gather as luminaries from all over the world uh, in one place yet. That's just not really the norm. But uh, this way, it is nice that, you know, as the body of Christ spread throughout the world, that we're able to gather together. So thank God for the gift of technology. Thank God for the fact that it worked last time. Let's pray that it works again this morning. I want to thank uh, my dear friends, Frank Spicer and Mary Sample, for helping to put all this together and uh, encourage uh, me to get this uh, happening in the first place. And uh, special thanks to them and all of the luminaries all over. Special hello to all of my friends from Sacred Heart. Special plug to my dear friend, Ray Paradowski, and uh, just a nod to him. Folks that are watching, please be sure to donate to our capital campaign to help us to pray, to pay for this beautiful church. So anyway, even more important than a capital campaign, we're talking today about the beautiful devotion of the five first Saturdays. And for those of you who have been with us since 8.15 this morning, we just completed uh, the first Saturday devotion uh, in the way that we do it here at Sacred Heart. And just want to spend some time this morning talking about the great importance of this devotion, why we do it, uh, what the, the roots are in this devotion, and how to go about doing it. Obviously, we have a particular way of making it happen here at Sacred Heart. Uh, there's, you, know, you can make some sort of adaptations. It doesn't have to be exactly like we just did it. But uh, just to talk about the, you know, kind of the, the typical journalistic questions, the who, what, where, and why, and how that we go about this particular devotion. And like so many different things, uh, this is rooted uh, in particular in the apparitions of our Blessed Mother to the three shepherd children at Fatima, uh, ties in particular to the apparition on July 13th, 
1917, as well as some further revelations to Sister Lucia, uh, beginning in Pontevedra, Spain in December of 1925. And it's a part of how we continue to participate in the work of bringing the world to Jesus through Mary. Uh, and in particular, in making reparation uh, for all of the sins against the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Because you'll remember those of you who have uh, read and studied and strived to live the message of Fatima, that our Blessed Mother assured us that in the end, her Immaculate Heart would triumph. And to think about that triumph, we know that you know, we need to be close to that Immaculate Heart, that that Immaculate Heart is loving us all the time, that our Lord wants us to love his mother, and as St. Louis de Montfort, whose feast day we just celebrated this past week, told us, there's no faster way to love Jesus, to be in the heart of Jesus, than through his mother. And the great thing for us, too, you know, it's not like we're just sort of floundering, floundering around down here on earth you know, trying to figure out our way and God doesn't help us at all. No, I mean, when you think about the apparitions in Fatima just over a hundred years ago, and then a few of those continued apparitions that happened a little bit later for Sister Lucia in the 1920s, you know, it's God in search of man, God coming out to us, sending us the Blessed Mother to remind us that ultimately sin and death don't win. Yes, they're loud and, you know, try to pull our attention away and maybe even make us slip into that insidious enemy indifference of just, you know, not caring, of being lethargic, of being apathetic. You know, our Lord loves us enough to send us his blessed mother. And of course, who does she appear to? The humble, you know, those beautiful saints and one uh, servant of God. You know, I'm sure she'll be a saint eventually. I'm not standing in the sanctuary of Fatima, so I can say that especially. Uh, you know, that we have Saint Francisco, Saint Jacinta, and then of course, servant of God, Lucia, who lived lives that were, you know, totally focused on our Lord with the help of Our Lady and lives that were devoted to helping others to fall in love with them as well. And so we were given specific things to do that will help us to fall in love, to help us to fall in love with the love that never lets us down, the love of Jesus Christ, with the help of his blessed mother, who he loves so much, which makes perfect sense because what son doesn't love his mother, right? And, you know, and, and he's the perfect son, she's the perfect mother. Of course, that love is going to be incredible and they want us to share in that love. And so we've been given these first Saturday devotions. Now, I don't want to quote extensively the whole time today. I'm going to give you a lot of personal reflections, uh, and I hope that they are a help. It's one of the nice things about a live stream is you can go back and, and watch. And, you know, if I talk too fast, or as I've been told many times, I tend to drop my voice when I'm making a joke. I apologize for that. You can go back and listen to it again if it's worth listening to. I can't promise with the jokes. They're normally not that funny. Uh, but anyway, I highly recommend... Uh, the main source that I'm using today to talk about the first Saturday devotions, and that's the book called Fatima for Today, The Urgent Marian Message of Hope by the late, great Father Andrew Apostoli of the Franciscan Friars of the Renewal. Uh, wonderful, wonderful book. Highly recommend it. But I want to take a few quotes from him today uh, for this talk that help kind of expand on why we do what we do for the first Saturday devotions. And I'd like to dive right in, and this is coming from his section, um, actually page 148 of the book Fatima for Today, where he starts to tell us a little bit about the apparitions of our Lord and Our Lady to Sister Lucia when she was a Dorothean sister in Pontevedra, Spain. It's a beautiful little convent. I've been very blessed to get to visit it a few times. And uh, this is what happened uh, in a quote from the book Fatima for Today. On December 10th, 1925, the Most Holy Virgin appeared to her, at, and her here is Sister Lucia, appeared to her and by Mary's side, elevated on a luminous cloud, was the Christ child. The Most Holy Virgin rested her hand on Sister Lucia's shoulder and as she did so, she showed her a heart encircled by thrones, and, excuse me, 
encircled by thorns, which she was holding in her other hand. At the same time, the Christ child said, Have compassion on the heart of your most holy mother, covered with thorns, with which ungrateful men pierce it at every moment. And there is no one to make an act of reparation to remove them. Then the most holy virgin said, Look, my daughter, at my heart, surrounded with thorns with which ungrateful man with which ungrateful men pierce me at every moment by their blasphemies and ingratitude. You at least try to console me and say that I promise to assist at the hour of death with the graces necessary for salvation, all those who on the first Saturday of five consecutive months shall confess their sins, receive Holy Communion, recite five decades of the rosary, and keep me company for 15 minutes while meditating on the 15 mysteries of the rosary with the intention of making reparation to me. There you have it. I mean, it sums up everything right there. And I'll just say too, you know, if you go back to the apparition of our Blessed Mother to the Shepherd Children on July 13th, 1917. I'll just read Father Apostoli's quote here. He says this uh, about the communion of reparation. These mystical experiences, referring to the apparitions of Pontevedra, were connected with Our Lady's words on July 13th about another world war and the evil of communism, which she said would begin in Russia and spread its errors around the world causing wars and persecutions of the Church and of the Holy Father. To prevent these evils from happening, Our Lady said she would come back again and ask for two things, the communion of reparation and the consecration of Russia to her Immaculate Heart. On December 10, 1925, the first of these promises was fulfilled. The other promise would await a later date. Now, here's the thing about that. We hear a lot, I think, about the request of our Blessed Mother on July 13th, you know, that the Holy Father consecrate Russia to her Immaculate Heart. We hear that very often. That one gets a lot of play. And of course, you know, we've heard debates about did that happen, did it not happen? Well, according to Sister Lucia, it did happen. On March 25th, 1984, when St. John Paul the Great, in union with all of the bishops around the world, consecrated the world with special mention of Russia to her Immaculate Heart. Sister Lucia said that heaven accepted it, you know, that it's there. Are there people who debate that? Sure, I trust Sister Lucia. I think that it happened. And of course, I've heard the debate that, oh, well, you know, it's not all done yet. Well, Father Apostoli really covers this in a good way and shows the ways in which Russia, you know, was consecrated in that gradual conversion, you know, with eventually the rise of Gorbachev and the fall of the Soviet Union and all of these things happening, that the, the effects, you know, of that consecration. But what I would say is that too often it's easy to focus on that which is out there, that which somebody else needs to take care of without paying attention to what you and what I can do. And Sister Lucia even said many times later in her life, Father Apostoli quotes this, that she was saddened by how many people were debating about whether or not the consecration had taken place without paying attention to the five First Saturday devotions. Because the thing is, like I said, it's easy to get all worked up about what the Pope is doing, right? What is, you know, what is, what is the Pope doing in Rome? We know that there are politics going on. We know that there's intrigue and all that, as there has been for a very long time, you know? And it's so much easier to watch the news, to read commentary, than to stop and to focus on what we are doing. You know, as the... Uh, the intro for the meditation on sacred scripture I just read a few minutes ago during our 15 minutes devotion says, you know, what does this scripture say to me? What does this scripture say to me personally? You know, and to look at that word personally, and Darren Balky, our seminarian, likes to repeat that word personally all the time. But it is good because it's that recognition that our Blessed Mother didn't just ask for an action from the Pope. She did ask for that. But she also asked for all of us to go through the spiritual practice of the first five or the, the five first Saturday devotions, to spend this spiritual time, to spend this time of a sort of like mini monthly retreat with her. 
And if we do that, you know, I think that's the part of the message of Fatima that in large part remains undone. That I don't think there are, you know, millions of people across the world doing this every first Saturday. And that's where, you know, it gets real. It gets to the point of asking, what are you doing? And I often like to think about, I think it's a good thing for all of us to think about, you know, when we die and appear before our Lord, what are we going to say to him? What are we going to say about the way that we've spent our time? And I think there's a danger in the fact that we have so much access to news and everything else these days. And I'm sure during these days of social distancing and quarantine, there's that danger of watching too much news. And here's, here's the threat, folks. Don't fall into the trap of thinking that, you know, when you appear before our Lord, you're going to say, look at what Donald Trump did. Look at what Nancy Pelosi did. Look at what, you know, Cardinal so-and-so did. Because you know what? He's going to ask you, what did you do? You know? He's going to ask you, how did you participate in my great commission, in making disciples of all nations? How did you love my blessed mother? How did you strive to become a saint? What did you do with the gifts and the talents that I've given to you? It's so much easier to look outside of ourselves, to just speculate about what's happening from Rome. And don't get me wrong, that's important. It's good stuff. But we have to be careful to not fall into the trap of being so focused on outside that we neglect inside that we neglect the state of our own souls. And hence comes what she said, I would return to ask for the communion of reparation. And I just read that quote of both our Lord and our Lady to Sister Lucia in Pontevedra about the five first Saturdays, those consecutive first Saturdays of doing these four, frankly, simple tasks, right? Praying the rosary, of going to confession, of receiving our Lord in the holy sacrifice of the altar, receiving him in holy communion, and of meditating on the mysteries of the rosary for 15 minutes. Now, I say simple, of course. In no way am I in any way putting down the source and summit of our faith. I love the Blessed Sacrament. Once again, to be able to distribute the Blessed Sacrament to a few extra people today, it brings tears to my eyes. It's so good. And I know in this time of quarantine, once again, that not as many people are able to be here and receive him physically in the Blessed Sacrament right now, but, uh, you know, to be able to make that spiritual communion, to long for the day when you can come back, to be in church, to ask forgiveness for the times when maybe you've received him in a lukewarm or tepid way of just not paying attention to what a great gift we have. And to look at these devotions that our Blessed Mother is asking us for, you know, yes, I think it both works towards bringing peace about the whole world. Because if we have more people who are on fire with the love of God, what's that going to do? And it begins, you know, it's like uh, that, that, that song, is it, you know, let peace begin with me, right? You know, and, and, it, and it's true. If we cling to the author of peace, if we cling to the one who said in the upper room behind the locked doors, peace be with you. If our life is about clinging to him with the help of those who love him, in particular his blessed mother, how can that not have a great effect on the world? And I think it's the fact that that has not happened that, you know, it's so easy to doubt, okay, have all of, you know, the things come about from Fatima? Well, Sister Lucia says, and, and, and Joseph Kratzinger, eventually Pope Benedict XVI, the message of Fatima is about growth in faith, hope, and love. And that faith, hope, and love shows forth itself in your life and in my life. And this five first Saturday devotion helps us to keep the faith alive in our hearts, to keep up the hope of looking towards the resurrection, of living out that Christ-like love. And we do it with these four simple ways of going about it. So I want to spend a little bit of time meditating and just talking about the practical nature of the four practices and then the reason for the five all together and also the uh, intention that we're called to do it for. And actually, I'd like to begin with that intention. You know, as, as we heard uh, our Blessed Mother say at the end here, that we do all of this with the intention 
pension of making reparation, here the quote is from our blessed mother, making reparation to me, making reparation for all of the sins against the Immaculate Heart of Mary. And hear these words from her as well, that she says to Sister Lucia, you at least try to console me. You at least. How easy it is, as it, how easy it is, as I said before, to focus on what everybody else is doing, right? To focus on either our politicians, of those who are leaders in the church, uh, those down the street, our brothers and sisters, how easy it is to focus on what everybody else is doing or not doing. But our Blessed Mother here you know, looks Sister Lucia, Sister Lucia, it's as though she's saying it to us too, you at least try to make reparation to my sacred heart, or to my immaculate heart. You at least show this devotion. Now think about this. You know, if a mother has several children, right? And let's say one of them is being downright nasty to her, you know? Uh, just saying wicked things and saying that she, you know, doesn't, doesn't love him and that she was never really the mother she should have been and just hurling insults. So another sibling, you know, let's say that it's me with my mom and my brother Joe. I don't have a brother Joe. Let's just pretend that my brother Joe has been wicked to my mother. Okay, now I can, you know, in the moment, try to kind of correct you. I can pray for Joe, but in particular, I can go to my mom and say, Mom, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that Joe has done this. I'm sorry that he's treated you in this way. I'm sorry about the fact that he's so often indifferent towards you that he said these terrible things. I'm sure in his heart of hearts, Joe doesn't mean them. Let's forgive him. Let's pray for his conversion. But you know what, Mom? I love you. And I want you to know that you are loved. I want you to know that I at least am striving. Now, here's the danger. And of course, we don't want to fall into the stereotype of what Christians are. Like, well, look at me. I'm so much better. I'm better than Joe. No, it's not that. Because that's not what Mom wants to see. She doesn't want me belittling Joe as though I'm in some sort of a competition with him like, well, look at me, Mom, I'm the better son. No, it's not that. But it's to show that her children do love her, that that love does exist in the world, and that, Mom, I'm going to strive to love you. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do what you want me to do. I'm going to listen to what you have said. What do you want? You want me to spend 15 minutes with you, meditating with you on what's most important to you, Jesus Christ? I can do that. And notice, it's not, hey, Mary, you know what? I, I love you, and so I'm going to do what I think you would like, like to have. I like to relate it to this. Let's say, you know, we got Mother's Day coming up, right? I do wish that my parents were actually here in North Carolina with me right now. They're stuck up. Well, not stuck up. They're up in Illinois. Uh, right now, they're close to some of my other siblings, which is great. I do wish that they were going to be here for Mother's Day, uh, but they're not. But let's just say it was normal times, right? And Mother's Day is coming up. And I say to my mom, Mom, love you. You know what? For Mother's Day, this is what we're going to do. We're going to go hang out at one of my favorite microbreweries and have some dinner from a food truck. Here's the thing. I enjoy that. It's a good time for me. Uh, my dad enjoys that. But you know who doesn't enjoy that? My mom. Okay, so I don't think that would have, you know, the weight of looking at my mom and saying, Mom, it's Mother's Day. What do you want? And honestly, my mom is so good. She would want me to just come to the house and just be at the house. And she would probably cook because she's just that good. But she just wants time, right? She just wants that time with her. It's not me dictating the terms. Mom, I love you so much. We're going to do what I want to do. No. I can listen to her and say, Mom, what do you want? And when it comes to these four practices of the first Saturdays, a large part of this is what has Mary said? What does she want? She wants us to spend time with her, specifically that, that 15 minutes uh, meditation on the mysteries of the Holy Rosary. You know, for the intention of what? Making reparation for sins against her immaculate heart. Of saying, look, I know so much of the world has been blasphemous toward you, sacrilegious toward you, indifferent toward you. But as you said, you at least, can you show me that love? Yes, mom, I can. I can sit with you and be with you. And when I think back on so many of the people in my life, like my grandma O'Brien, what would she want? 
she just wanted us to be there. We'd probably play cards and stuff like that or you know, talk about different things, look at all of the millions of pictures in her house of all of the different family members. Well, 15 minutes devotion, meditating on the mysteries of the Holy Rosary, isn't that similar? Spending time asking Mary, uh, or just being with her, looking at the mysteries of her son's life and her life. Mary, help me to understand these better. And isn't that, isn't that amazing? That as we get to go deeper into the mysteries of the rosary, that's what she wants. She wants to open them up to us. She wants to tell us about what's going on in them. She wants to talk to us about what's the most important thing in her life. And I think that's a common thread throughout all of these devotions. I mean, it starts out as something that we are doing for Mary, right? We're doing it with the intention of making reparation, of showing her love where love has been taken away or where she's been pierced by, that, by the wickedness of others. And yet, in entering into that love of her, we're the ones who benefit. I mean, hopefully she does too, and that we're spending that time with her, but for goodness sake, taking that time aside and just being in her presence, ultimately, folks, we're the ones who benefit more. I mean, this morning as we reflected on you know, the resurrection of our Lord, of Mary Magdalene at the tomb, of the apostles in the upper room, and Thomas's coming around and saying, my Lord and my God, and asking Mary, Mary, help me to understand this better. I mean, here we are about an hour later, and I feel better. I feel more secure in my love of our Lord and the resurrection. And I got to do exactly what our Blessed Mother asked me to do. And what's happened? The love has grown, right? That counteracting the wickedness of those out there in the world, we're spending time with her and growing in that love. So ultimately, what does it mean to do things for reparation for sins against the Immaculate Heart of Mary? It's asking that we... You know, say, you at least show me that love. That love is being shown. That we're participating in the love of our Blessed Mother. That we are participating in bringing more love into the world with her help. We're counteracting the, the blasphemies, the indifference, by just spending time and growing in love. And that has a profound effect. She has been treated terribly for the last 2,000 years by so many. How do we counteract that? by acting lovingly towards her. So everything we do, we do out of love for her. Did she make a promise to us? Of course she did. She said that all of those who, she says, I promise to assist at the hour of death with the graces necessary for salvation, all those who on the first Saturday of five consecutive months shall confess their sins, receive Holy Communion, recite five decades of the rosary, and keep me company for 15 minutes while meditating on the 15 mysteries of the rosary with the intention of making reparation to me. She promises the grace is necessary for salvation. The beautiful thing is, doing these beautiful spiritual practices with the intention of making reparation to her, we're already participating in those graces. We're already participating and moving on towards salvation. So you've heard, I mean, it's, heaven all the way to heaven, it's hell all the way to hell, right? It's not the reverse of those two. As we live in that love, we grow in grace. And she's promised to help us at the very end, to help us with all the graces we need for salvation. But the beautiful thing about this is we begin to participate in it now. We begin to participate in that love at this very moment. So it's a mutually beneficial thing, right? That all we have to do is set aside roughly two hours to spend time on these four practices and how can we lose? It's so good for us. So there's the intention aspect, right? That we're doing this in reparation for the sins against her immaculate heart. But what are the things that we have to do? Okay, let's start with confession, all right? Now, when you think about this once again and think about it in relational terms, you know, what does my mom want for me? She wants me to be holy and happy and healthy and What's worse than getting physically sick? It's falling into mortal sin. It's having our eternal salvation be in jeopardy. It's falling away from what our true purpose is, becoming a saint. Because as we've heard many times, become a saint. What else is there? You know, that ultimately we're called on towards heaven. And how do we keep doing that? How do we keep going in the right direction? 
by asking forgiveness for our sins. We hear how crucial that is every day when we hear the Mass. But what does Jesus do? He pours out his blood for us for the forgiveness of sins. That that which separates us from him, separates us from one another, plunges us into darkness and evil, he gives us the sacrament of confession to have that wiped away. And I know right now in a lot of places it's not being offered and it's really sad and I hope very soon you know these uh, restrictions will be lifted. Here at Sacred Heart we have confessions every day except Sunday. We have a makeshift confessional outside. But what does she want? She wants those things that plunge us into darkness and isolation and division. She wants those washed and wiped away. And what does it all boil down to with five consecutive first Saturdays going to confession once a month, right? That Sister Lucia even asked our Lord, she said it's really hard for some people to get to confession on the first Saturday. Is it okay if they go, you know, eight days either before or after? And Jesus said, yes, even if it's a little bit more than that, it's all right. That basically they need to to do it, to go to confession. And, and as my friend Sister Angela said, it basically works out you need to go about once a month with that intention of making reparation for the sins against the Immaculate Heart of Mary. What does she want for us? She wants us to be free from our sins. She wants us to be cleansed. She wants us to live a happy life. And being free from sin is the way to do that. And if you're going once a month, what does that mean? You are examining your conscience frequently. You're not falling into the trap of being overwhelmed by indifference, of being overwhelmed to the point where all of a sudden you realize, oh my goodness, it's been six months and I haven't been to confession. When you do that, you're missing out on the graces that our Lord is offering you. You're wallowing in stuff that's not going to help you, right? And remember this too. I mean, one of my, my favorite examinations of conscience, and this could be a whole other talk, so we'll leave that for another time. But I know when we examine our consciences so often, and we should do this, we look at the, the Ten Commandments, right? We look at you know, those particular sins that uh, we, maybe we've fallen into. But the other thing that I would say is think about the confidier. It's not just what we've done, but also what we failed to do. Look at the ways in your life that maybe you failed in love, that you could have been generous, let's say, that you could have given of yourself, that at this time when the temptation is to hoard, that rather than doing that, you gave of yourself. And as we find out in our lives so many times, we're always happier when we give than when we, I'm not just going to say when we receive, because receiving can be pretty darn good. But not just when we give, but when we hoard, right? When all of a sudden, there's four packages of toilet paper at the grocery store, and I'm going to grab all four. Okay, how ridiculous is it that it's toilet paper that we're fighting over, right? But at the end of the day, if what we're fighting over isn't heavenly, it ultimately adds up to be merely toilet paper, right? It's all going to go away in the end. But what we need is the love of God. And we have the opportunity to to participate in that right now. When I say my favorite examination of conscience, read uh, Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, uh, the beginning of chapter 13. You all know it. It's the love chapter. Love is patient. Love is kind. Do this. Take out the word love and put in your own name. Does it work? John Eckerd is patient. No, he is not, especially when he has seminarians living with him. John Eckerd is kind. Not all the time. I wish that I were. He is not jealous. Sometimes I am. You know, to look at that and ask yourself the question, am I living a life of love? And if you're not, bring it to confession. Ask God for the grace to have that wiped away to live the life that you've been called to live, a life of love, loving our Blessed Mother, loving our Lord. Because I'll tell you, it's a heck of a lot better than just being selfish, of wallowing in ourselves. It doesn't lead to happiness. So our Blessed Mother asks us, once a month, essentially, go to confession. Don't wallow in sin. The second thing she asks us for is to receive communion on that first Saturday, right? Okay. So what is that about? Well, we know that typically, in normal circumstances, we have the obligation to go every Sunday, right? And and now we don't have the obligation to receive communion every time we go to Mass. But she asks us to, well, first of all, go to confession so we are prepared to receive him, but to have that union with him, to receive him in the Blessed Sacrament. Now, right now, God doesn't ask us to do the impossible. 
We have to do the spiritual communion for those who are not able to be present and join us. But to invite our Lord into our heart, to welcome him in, not to stay in a place of sin that tries to keep him at bay, but rather that union with him who gives us himself, body, blood, soul, and divinity. And right now, to do that spiritually, to long for him to be with us. She asks us to do that. Why? Because our Blessed Mother, who's a mother to us, given to us from the cross, wants what's ultimately in our best interest. And that would ultimately be union with her son. And we get to participate in that union sacramentally every time we come and receive him in a state of grace here at Mass, participating in the beautiful sacrifice of the Mass in which he gives us himself body, blood, soul, and divinity, Mary doesn't want us to miss out on that once again. What's going to make mom happier than you being fulfilled, than you moving on towards being a saint? And having gone to confession, receiving him in communion, I mean, really, it doesn't get a lot better than that. It's about as close as we can come while on earth to already being saints. How incredible that is. And that's what she asks us to do on five consecutive first Saturdays. The next two. First of all, she asks us to to pray five decades of the Holy Rosary. And there was a tradition at the time in the 1920s when our Lord and Our Lady talked to Sister Lucia, asking for this five-Saturday devotion, of praying all 15 mysteries of the Holy Rosary. At the time, there were only 15. The Loomis didn't come around until about the year 2000. But to, to pray all 15 on Saturdays. And that was the common custom, in fact, when Sister Lucia was telling her confessor about Jesus asking her to spread this five-Saturday devotion, He said, why? People are already praying the 15 mysteries of the Holy Rosary on first Saturdays. And our Lord said to Sister Lucia, I would rather them pray five with devotion, with love, than 15 in a tepid manner just to receive, you know, the promises, right? That he wants us, that our Blessed Mother wants us, to meditate on those mysteries of the love of our Lord, to pray those five mysteries with devotion, to strive to be there. And I know. Praying the rosary, is it easy? Well, certainly not right out of the gate. And certainly not too, if we're not prepared going into it. I'll tell you, I've started a while back, um, and it's, it kind of adds up. Bear with me for a moment. Uh, another fast besides just not eating before coming to Mass. I don't listen to music with words before Mass. And here's the reason why. If I do that, then all of a sudden, before I know it, something is going to pop into my mind while I'm in the middle of celebrating Mass. I was going to bring up a song that gets stuck in your head right away. I'm going to show mercy on you and not do that. But, you know, it's one of those things where it's so easy to let that happen. How are we going into our time in prayer? How are we spending time with our Blessed Mother, with our Lord as we pray the Rosary? If it's just sort of like jumping in from having been in the car and blasting Led Zeppelin, I don't know, whatever you're listening to, you know, and then just going right in the rosary, well, of course, it takes time to calm down, right? It takes time to be there and be present. Before starting the uh, devotions for First Saturday, before coming to Mass, before going into your prayer time, don't listen to music with words. Maybe some classical music that can kind of calm you down, but don't do the sort of things that are going to make you all crazy, but rather take the time to bring yourself be present. The other thing I would say is don't be overly critical of yourself when your mind doesn't just focus on the mysteries, right? Ask yourself, okay, if your mind's starting to wonder, what is it wandering toward, all right? If it's something that you're, you're dealing with a difficult problem, ask our Lord to take it from you. If it keeps coming back, say, okay, Lord, what does this have to do with this mystery right now? Right? Like, let's say I'm having a problem with somebody in the office. We just keep button heads. You know, it's just not good at all. Well, think about our Lord carrying the cross and the fourth sorrowful mystery. How did he handle that? What was the way that he went about, you know, interacting with the people on the way towards the cross? Or let's go to a totally different type of mystery. Let's go to uh, the third glorious mystery, the descent of the Holy Spirit. You know, look at Peter who cut off one of the ears of one of the the soldiers in the garden, right? And now on Pentecost, he's proclaiming the gospel. 
he's giving them good news to their ears, not cutting them off. Is it possible to move from being a quick-tempered person to being the type that spreads the good news of our Lord? And remember, proclaiming the gospel is not mamby-pamby stuff. I mean, it's for real men and women to be tough, to be strong. But how do you do that in your day-to-day life? Bring those issues to the meditation of the five mysteries of the rosary. Ask our Lord for help. He gives it. But we got to ask. we got to bring that there. And our Blessed Mother asked that we pray the five, five mysteries of the rosary. She didn't even, and this is the nice thing, in Portuguese, I don't actually know the words in Portuguese. I know very few words in Portuguese. But the word for the rosary being five mysteries and 15 is a different word. And Mary specifically said the five mysteries of the rosary. So when we do that with the intention of making reparation to her immaculate heart, we're fulfilling what she asked us to do. Okay, so we've talked about three so far of the uh, practices for, for First Saturday. Confession, Holy Communion, and praying the rosary. Number four, the 15 minutes devotion. I know I've talked about it a little bit already, but this is the one thing I would say. I think this one is the most difficult. And here's why, okay? Confession, check. I mean, and I don't mean that in a routine, flippant way, but you do it, you're done. You know how to do it. You can stand in line or you catch Father at a particular time. You know how to do that. You do it probably pretty frequently. It's not that hard. You go. Okay, reception of Holy Communion, check. We know how to go to Mass, right? We know how to be there. Uh, there's a start, there's a finish. I know right now is a unique time, but God willing, we'll move back to normal sometime soon. But we know how to do that, right? Check, you know how to do it. Praying the rosary, you know how to do that too. Hopefully you're doing it every day because she asked us to. But it's one of those things where, okay, there's a start, there's a finish, you know how to do it. The 15 minutes devotion. Now, the thing is, obviously, start and finish to 15 minutes. And 15 minutes doesn't sound like that long. And it's so easy to be like, oh, I'll, just, I'll just do it later. And I'll tell you the truth. Before we started doing it communally here at Sacred Heart, what, three, two and a half, three years ago, um, before we started doing that, and, and I was trying to do the first Saturday devotions, I don't think I ever really got the 15 minutes done very often. Because it's so easy to go, oh, 15 minutes, I'll do that in a little while. I'll do that in a little while. Or when I finally sit down, <laughs> just to sit down and spend time with the Blessed Mother, meditating on those mysteries, whew, it's not easy. And that's where I would say the communal aspect is such a big help. Not that you can't do it by yourself. And if you want to do it by yourself, this is what I recommend. I have my phone up here. It is on Do Not Disturb. These things are really helpful when it comes to the practical nature of the amount of time. Set a timer for 15 minutes and then set your phone aside and let it be. Don't look at it again. Because sometimes we have a hard time just sitting and paying attention. We're used to the internet that is throwing you know, all sorts of uh, stuff that's getting us all riled up every single second from every direction. We are used to being stimulated and being quiet for 15 minutes. That can feel like an eternity if you're not used to it. And that's why I say set a timer, let it be to the side, and just let it be okay. And I'll tell you, just because our Fatima bells are ringing right now, the way it's just, I love devotional things. I'm trying to turn Salisbury into little Fatima. Um, but my little devotional practice, I had a watch that wasn't very good with the, with the time before. It was like very blank on the face. This one isn't a lot better that I got specifically uh, because we have first Saturdays. And the main reason I got it is because the second hand is blue. Um, and I love being able to follow that and think about our Blessed Mother. Is a little corny, yes, but I'm doing it in reparation for the sins against her immaculate heart. I love her very much. And, you know, to be able to do that, to set it aside, um, when you can do it with other people, like we do in the church, it's a big help, you know? And I'll tell you, the first couple times we did it, I'd start sweating and feeling like, ah, people are probably wondering what's going on. Basically, what we're doing is Lexio Divina, you know, this divine reading of sacred scripture. We're meditating on the mysteries of the Holy Rosary, reading the scripture that's uh, tied up with that mystery. For example, today, we read John 20, 19 to, I forget the exact citation, uh, but about the resurrection, John 20, 11 through 29. And, you know, and all we did, we did some Lexio Divina. We meditated slowly, asking for Mary's help, meditating on the resurrection of her son. And that's what she wants. She wants us to be with her. 
She wants us to ask her to reveal to us the mysteries of the Holy Rosary. And to get to take that time, and this is the thing too, separately. It's not just praying the rosary again, okay? We can't do the 15 minutes devotion while praying the rosary. She asked for two separate things, all right? So we step aside and meditate on those mysteries and just to be there, to just be there with her and be quiet with them for a little while. And does it feel awkward at first? Yeah, it can. I I equate this to when I used to go visit my grandma's. I got to be a little bit older. At first, and I'm embarrassed to say it, to be like, Gotta go spend time with grandma. It's slow. It's quiet. But, God, I wish I could go back and do it again. And just spend time with her just to be in her presence. To just sit there and be quiet. And God willing, she's in heaven. I get to go to heaven. We get to do it again, right? But for the time being, our Lord lets us do that with his blessed mother. Meditating on his life. Learning more about him from the person who knows more about him than anyone. And I would say as we kind of wrap up those four practices, there's a question of why five? In fact, uh, why five uh, consecutive for Saturdays? In fact, Sister Lucia's confessor asked her the same question. You know, I mean, five, it's not a normal number from our typical devotional things, right? Like, why not seven? We have seven sacraments, or the seven uh, gifts of the Holy Spirit. And why not nine? There's nine fruits of the Holy Spirit. Why not ten Saturdays, you know, for the Ten Commandments? Well, Our Lord said he wants five consecutive first Saturdays because there are five particular sins against the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Five particular types of, uh, you know, just terrible actions leveled against his mother, who he loves and who he wants us to love too. And those five are sins uh, against her Immaculate Conception, against her perpetual virginity, against her motherhood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Sins that stop children from having devotion towards her, of being indifferent towards her, or even becoming blasphemous towards her. And finally, sins against her holy images. All right? So those first three have to do specifically with the doctrine about our Blessed Mother. She's immaculately conceived. When we celebrate that on December the 8th, I bring out my nicest vestment. Why? Because that is our Lord interacting with, you know, with time and space, with fallen humanity, and by his special prevenient grace, it's a whole big word we could talk about another time, he keeps her from the effects of original sin. He saves her from original sin. That she is the Ark of the Covenant. She's going to bear the Son of God, and she's kept free from original sin. The devil hates this. He's going to attack that in every way he can because he has never had a hold on the Blessed Mother. She didn't have original sin. She's never fallen under his power. That ultimately she, that humble creature who gives us the Magnificat, who proclaims the greatness of the Lord in her humility, she, the woman, crushes the head of the serpent. As I said in my homily this morning, to be a Catholic, to be a follower of Christ, it's an adventure. We're talking about the incredible aspect of she is kept free from sin and therefore the ancient serpent is crushed. And so all of those who say things against that, our Lord wants us to make reparation, to pray, to love her. The other one is, you know, sins against her perpetual virginity. I don't think I need to debate with you about the fact that we live in a hypersexualized society. We're in a time of quarantine, of stay-at-home orders, and yet there are brutal fights about the fact that, you know, abortion is, you know, an essential service and must continue. Why? That's the result of living in a society that is so focused on sex at all costs. And what is the power, you know, this beautiful, pure power of the perpetual virginity of our Blessed Mother? How glorious that is. And sins against that pull us away from the love of of her, right? In her beautiful motherhood of our Lord. In that mysterious way with her perpetual virginity, both before, during, and after, you know, our Lord coming into the world, being born from her in this incredible way, right? And once again, our Lord wants us to spend one of those Saturdays in particular. It's one of those sins against our blessed mother. And so that's why we have the second Saturday, the third, against her motherhood of Christ, that she is the mother of God. 
I mean, today we celebrate the feast day of St. Athanasius, who fought vigorously against the Arians, who denied the full divinity of Christ. Well, that's an, you know, to, to attack Mary's motherhood is to ultimately attack the divinity of Christ. She is really and truly the mother of God, the mother of the second person of the most holy trinity. And the more we learn about her and her motherhood, the more we know her son. And that's why the two of them ask us to make this reparation for all of the sins and the tearing her down and speaking out against her as though she is not the mother of God. The fourth, for all those who have done what they can to corrupt our youth, to keep them away from the love of our Blessed Mother, even either turning them against her or making, her, making them indifferent towards her. I'll tell you, I mean, you know I like to bring up these stories about my youth. I am grateful to God and why I probably consider myself to be one of the richest people alive. I was blessed to have grandparents on both sides who loved our Blessed Mother, who prayed the rosary. My Grandpa O'Brien made rosaries and sent them over the Berlin Wall, sent them, you know, cooperating with Our Lady of Fatima, right, that he loved Our Lady. And even though I don't remember a time that he sat me down and said, Johnny, I want you to pray the rosary. He didn't say it with his words, but he was perpetually, quietly making rosaries. That has stuck with me. I carry one of his rosaries with me all the time. Why? Because it was so important to him. Grandparents, what you do is important. And there are so many out there who make it look as though, eh, the rosary, you know, who cares? It's not a big deal. No, it's essential. That love of our Blessed Mother is such a gift to them. Don't ever think that because, let's say, your kids are not teaching your grandkids about the faith, that your example doesn't matter. It does. If you love Our Lady, if you do these things out of love for her, not to say, kids, I'm better than you because I do these things. No, that's not what making reparation for the sins against the Immaculate Heart of Our Mother is about. It's about growing in love with her and wanting the conversion of poor sinners to take place. Because think about it. When do you want to imitate someone? When you see how it affects them in a good way. When they're peaceful, happy, in love, you want to imitate that. I want to imitate the example of my grandparents who very clearly lived it out. I'm blessed with good parents too who lived it out well. But I'll tell you, their impact on me was incredible and I'm still unpacking it to this very moment. You can do the same thing. And just by giving that good example of teaching them by the way that you live and what you say too. My grandpa very well could have said those things to me as well, telling me about the importance of the rosary. But I will say, I remember his actions more than his words. You can share both. We're called to share both. Peter in the Acts of the Apostles does both. He speaks and he acts. We're called to do the same thing. Pass on this loving inheritance to your children. Pass on to them a love of our Blessed Mother because no matter what happens for the rest of their life, this can always bring them home. The rosary can always connect them to what will ultimately lead them to peace and happiness. Even if they wander, even if they fall, they can be led back. And how beautiful that is. The final of the five offenses against our Blessed Mother, for the reason we make five consecutive First Saturdays, is for offenses, sins against those images of our Blessed Mother. We've all heard of ridiculous times when people, you know, attack different images of Mary. I know like the Pieta in St. Peter's was attacked with a hammer once. I know now in Fatima there's uh, big uh, protectors, walls, to keep you from getting right up to the image of Our Lady of Fatima. In fact, I think there's bulletproof glass around her too. Uh, you know, there's places that we know of, you know, where statues have been demolished. When you see like the uh, remnants of what ISIS left behind, right? I mean, they do terrible things to images of our Blessed Mother, which is appalling, right? And we know that there's stupid modern art of like images of Mary or our Lord made out of just atrocious things. Okay, I don't need to go on and on about that. I apologize for going on so much. We are physical embodied souls, right? Like we have bodies. Tangible stuff is important to us. As I said before in referencing my grandma O'Brien, there are pictures of us grandkids everywhere. And if I went up and just started to 
attack, one of those images, drawing mustaches on them or ripping them up, or my grandma would be appalled, right? Now, I wouldn't really be doing that to, say, a cousin of mine, but those images are a sign of the love of that person. We have beautiful imagery of our Blessed Mother. Why? Because we love her, right? We have images in our home of the things that we care about. Look around your room right now, right? Look at the walls, uh, because so many of you are watching from home. Look around you. It shows what's important to you by what's displayed around you. Do you have an image of her, of our Blessed Mother? Do you have a crucifix on the wall, a sign of our salvation? Do you have some holy images that remind you of what your ultimate goal is? Heaven, becoming a saint. I'm not saying that every house has to look like a big religious museum. But at the same time, what we put up shows what's valuable to us. And yes, there are times that people treat some of our beautiful images in terrible ways. So once again, just kind of getting back to that example from the beginning. If my brother Joe is out there tearing down images and doing terrible things, I say to my blessed mother, Mother, he doesn't know what he's doing. I'm sorry that it's happening. I'm sorry that these ridiculous things are going on. But I love you. I'm going to put up this beautiful image of you. In fact, I wish right now I could, we could like turn the camera enough that you could see our Marian altar. I love our statue of the Immaculate Heart of Mary that I got in Fatima from wonderful Armando Mendez. It's such a beautiful image. We have an image of Our Lady of Guadalupe. Our stained glass window is the Immaculate Heart. I know you can't see them. I apologize. But they are there. And we love them. We have candles in front of them. Why? Not because we worship them as though they are standalone idols of themselves. They're not. But they remind us of the love of Mary. In the same way that you probably have a picture in your wallet of your family. Why? Because you worship that picture? No. Because you love your family and you want to be reminded of them often. It's the same way with her. We don't attack images of people that we love, of people that we honor, of people that we want to be with all the time. The fact that it happens to things of the Blessed Mother, to those holy images, she's just asking that, hey, you at least spend time with me. Show me that I have love in this world. We can do that. And the great thing is, is I I think I said a month ago, and I know just this past Lent, it sort of occurred to me in meditating on the third sorrowful mystery in relation to the rosary. Uh, You know, when you think about the cruelty of the soldiers when our Lord was being crowned with thorns. I mean, it took them personal cost to weave together thorns, right? I mean, you can't do that without piercing yourself a little bit, right? Without hurting yourself. And to go to that kind of extent, to be cruel, to place that on the head of Jesus Christ, who was loving them into existence, and they pierced his head with the crown of thorns, even piercing themselves as they did it. When you look at doing all these things with the intention of making reparation for all the sins against the Immaculate Heart of Mary, what are we doing? We're saying, Mary, I know that so many people have pierced your heart with thorns. I'm not going to do the same thing. I'm not going to do it in an intentional action sort of way with blasphemy. I'm not going to do it with indifference by just not caring that you've been pierced. What I'm going to do is instead of making something out of thorns to pierce you, I'm going to take the things of my life, the roses of my life, with their blooms and their thorns. I'm going to weave them together in the rosary. And I'm going to offer that to you. I'm going to tell you once again that I love you. My brothers and sisters in Christ, as we do that, along with going to confession, receiving communion, meditating with her for 15 minutes on the mysteries of the rosary, We counteract the cruelty of the world. Frankly, we counteract, you know, Russia with its communist errors which are being spread throughout, right? What is that ultimately? It's an atheistic regime that wants us to think that this is all that there is. We live in a materialist universe that there will be no salvation, that there is no love. We know that there is. And if we do our part of growing in this love with her once a month, and she promises if we do it for five consecutive months, We'll have all the grace we need for salvation. But I will tell you, as someone who's been doing it now for, I guess, about three years in this communal way, you're not going to want to stop after five. This is like a monthly retreat that keeps us grounded in what's most important. 
in growing in love. And I'll tell you at this time of quarantine and social distancing, in which we have the opportunity to meditate on what our real priorities are, ask yourself the question, why haven't I been doing this yet? Is it because I got to get to soccer on Saturday morning? Well, hey, I'm not putting down all sports, right? But if this time has taught us one thing, it's that sports really, in the end, just aren't that important. They're even less important than toilet paper, right? We're definitely learning that right now. I'm not saying don't play, but for goodness sake, don't let the reason you're not participating in what will guarantee your salvation, because you got to go play soccer, right? Or you got to sleep in, or all of these sort of things. No. Take the time. And as I said, it takes about two hours. And that's really only because it's here it takes two hours. As one of our first graders said this year, Father John can tend to be rather talkative. I go on for a long time. Our daily mass is 45 minutes. In some places, it won't take as long. But if you look, if it's just two hours out of the whole month, the seminarians and I figured out last night that is 0.3% of your time of your month. Can you spend 0.3% of your month to tell our Blessed Mother that you love her, to grow in that love that the world so desperately needs to counteract the cruelties that are going on? Can you spend that 0.3% to grow in your love of our Lord? Does it take sacrifices? Yes. But is our Lord flexible? Yes. He said, hey, if you can't make it on, he probably didn't say hey, but if you cannot make it on the Saturday itself, you can go on eight days either side or even more as long as you're getting this in. The other three, do we really have an excuse not to spend time going to Mass or receiving communion, praying the rosary, going to confession? They're all such good things and all to show what? That we are in love and in love with Our Lady and Our Lord, in love in such a way that it will not go away when time ends, will not go away when we die, that ultimately we know that our salvation is assured because as we fall more and more in love, why would we want to fall into mortal sin? Why would we want to turn our back on her? Why would we want to turn our back on our Lord? After growing in this sort of retreat way every month, why would we go away? And in those times when we start to fall, when we start to slip, when we start to let the dam crack a little bit, we have confession once a month to keep us connected to the love of Our Lady and the love of our Lord. My brothers and sisters in Christ, this is it. They give us this beautiful way to grow in faith, hope, and love. They've given us this first five Saturday devotion. Why? For making reparation to our Immaculate Heart. But I think ultimately, what's the ultimate reparation to our Immaculate Heart? How does it triumph in our salvation? In the end, it's us who benefit. It's us who ultimately get the, get the glory and the joy, right? It's us who get to experience that love of our Lord, which he wants to give to us so desperately. He won't force it upon us, but he's going to do everything he can to bring us ever closer. And this beautiful way is a way that we can make some small sacrifices to grow closer to both of them, to grow closer towards our salvation, and to bring that love into a world so often immersed in cruelty and to show that ultimately it's love that never fails. Praise be Jesus Christ, now and forever. I just want to say in closing, I don't know that we have the same slide that we had last month on the camera. Totally forgot to get that taken care of ahead of time with the beautiful prayer from Fatima uh, about our current situation. Uh, but what I thought I would do and that's why I have my phone up here, and it's uh, on Do Not Disturb, so it would not buzz at all during this, uh, this talk. I thought we'd pray one more time the uh, prayer to the Holy Shepherds of Fatima for an end to the pandemic. And I would just say as one for further uh, reflection at the end of this talk. And obviously, the pandemic is terrible. We need to pray, especially for those in nursing homes. I mean, it just seems, you know, for poor people who are isolated, who are at risk of, of getting this, but I think ultimately what this time should help us to see is that there's things that are so much worse than a virus, right? I think ultimately falling into cruelty, leaving behind love, not paying attention to what's the most important thing. And little Francisco and Jacinta, and I would say servant of God Lucia too, help point us on the way of seeing that a life of humility, obedience, and love lived in such a way that we're striving to 
make reparation for the sins against the Immaculate Heart of Mary, striving to work for the conversion of poor sinners, of being on fire with love ourselves. That's so good. And falling in sin and falling away from that love, that's the greater danger. So let's pray that at this time and in all times, yes, we may be healthy, but also ultimately that our souls may be healthy, that we stay away from mortal sin, that we receive the healing that we need in the sacraments, that we keep growing in love. So I we now pray the prayer to the Holy Shepherds of Fatima for an end to the pandemic. Saints Jacinta and Francisco, little seers of Fatima, by a singular grace you were chosen by the Blessed Virgin Mary in her immaculate heart to be turned into great witnesses of Christ. To you, we have recourse today at this moment of medical emergency, of pain and trial. One hundred years ago, O holy children, you yourselves were afflicted by the terrible Spanish flu epidemic, and you carried in your bodies with marvelous faith the signs and the pains of the evil that you faced towards your Christian death. Our Heavenly Mother had announced to you both a premature death, associating it to the passion of Christ for the salvation of the world. And you, in your sickness and agony, gave testimony through continuous prayer to your complete union to the divine will. Today, 100 years later, we are devastated by another terrible epidemic, and we turn to you with confidence, so that through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, which your eyes were able to see while here on earth, you could obtain for us health for our souls and our bodies, a strong faith, and the capacity to be in solidarity with those that are suffering this ailment and trial. You who welcome the medical treatments with a gentle smile and meekness of heart, assist and protect all doctors and healthcare providers, all those who work in the medical profession, in their relentless effort in the fight against this sickness. Protect our families, making us rediscover the beauty of prayer recited together, particularly the Holy Rosary, which you held in your hands until your last breath. With you, little shepherds, and with our Blessed Mother, our Mother and Refuge, with complete trust we turn to Jesus Christ, our salvation, who triumphs over evil and death in the Paschal light. Amen. Most sacred heart of Jesus, have mercy on us. Immaculate heart of Mary, pray for us. St. Francisco and St. Jacinta, pray for us. St. Lucia, or sister, servant of God, Sister Lucia, pray for us. St. Athanasius, pray for us. The Lord be with you. Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Go in peace.